to share with you our knowledge about the Electoral College. It comes after voting high school. No, it doesn't. That's a life Right. I'm in high school civics. Come on, boys, now be specific to sing this here election song for us. I think you'll need a big, strong chorus. Uh, who are these guys? We are citizens of this land. Take place at sea? They're speaking metaphorically. It's our future that we are choosing. Voting is time travel. This is so confusing. It's a right word to master. The jury got it first. And that's how voting works. What's the cheese party, people? Welcome to the second episode of The American Analysts, a podcast by Americans for Americans, talking about the issues affecting America right now. Of the people, by the people, for the people. You feel? I do feel. I am your lovely host, Bonnie Abbott, better known as TheBond.com, and I am joined by my co-host, Drin the Nerd. So hey, uh, what was that song you just played right now, Bon? It kind of slapped. It did slap, you are correct. It was a song about our lovely electoral college and how it works, which is what we will be discussing in this episode. What a coinkadink. As our listeners at home may know, voting season is upon us because of the election of a new president this November 2020. However, there are a few steps before we can definitively vote in the final general election for our new president. What kind of steps? Hmm? I'm not glad you asked. Now I have to explain it. Thanks. Well, as you may know, there are two major political parties in American politics, Democrats and Republicans. And when there is a gener- an upcoming presidential election, many Democrats and many Republicans will want to run. So now it's our responsibility to whittle down the numbers and choose one final Democrat and one final Republican candidate to compete against each other to be the president. And we do that through two different ways, right? We have primaries and caucuses. So primaries are more widely used because of their ease compared to the alternative. Party members vote for the best candidate that will represent them in the general election. As Bond mentioned, the second way that a party's final presidential candidate is chosen is through caucuses. Say that word five times fast. Caucuses, 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 caucuses. Now it's your turn. Well, if you insist. And for our listeners back home, I invite you to say it along with me. Caucuses, 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 caucuses. That was fun. <laughs> Anyways, what were you talking about? I think I was talking about caucuses. Hmm. So what is this terrible, awful sounding word that haunts my nights and days? In a caucus, party members select the best candidate through a series of discussions and votes. However, this process has mostly become outdated because it is a very time-consuming process, and for those of us such as yours truly in the audience with social anxiety, there is nothing I would dread more than talking for hours to a bunch of old people about politics. Prior to this, however, party members um, campaign for votes. You know, kissing hands and shaking babies. Uh, what? Not important. Moving on. <laughs> so the results of the primaries and caucuses in each state are the delegates uh, for potential presidential candidate. Yeah. So after all that there are... Wow, okay. So after all that there are two huge parties. Do you want to stop and then we can just cut there? Yes. Moving on. 
So the primaries and caucuses in each state result in delegates for each potential presidential candidate. So after that, there are two huge parties, one for the Democrats and one for the Republicans. At these slapping parties, the delegates for each candidate get together and say who their party's official presidential candidate will be, as well as announce who the pre vice president will be. And they really were parties back in the day. They used to dance. Check the description for a video at the 1996 Democratic National Convention where they danced the Macarena and had a merry old time. Did you know that apparently in 1996 the Macarena was a new dance? For some reason I thought it was way older than that. The Macarena seems like something that's just always existed. Kinda like the first Shrek movie. Did you know it came out in 2001? That means me and my co-host have never lived in a Shrekless, Macarena-less world. Isn't that a thought? Now, see, that's the problem with politics nowadays. They stopped dancing. If all politicians danced, we would still hate them, but at least we could laugh at them. Ain't that the truth. Anyways, uh, getting back on track, what comes after the national conventions? Well, after the national conventions, we have the general election. Every person who is 18 and over is eligible to vote for who they believe the next president should be. Whichever candidate in each individual state gets the most votes receives all of that state's electors according to the winner-take-all system. The candidate who loses this election does not receive any of that state's electors. This also affects how presidential candidates campaign and what states they put focuses on because some states have more electors than others. Swing states or states with large populations tend to become the center of attention. My co-host here will explain what electors are. The number of electors each state has is determined by how many congressional representatives that state has. So a state like Texas, which has a large population, has a ton of electors and thus gets a lot of political visits. But what do electors do? Why are they important? They officially vote for El Presidente, the president for our non-Spanish speaking listeners back home. Hey, I don't, I don't think you need to translate that. We know he speaks Spanish, bro. <laughs> bro, no! The fourth wall! You're breaking it! This is a normal podcast with tons of listeners from all around the country. Moving on from our regularly scheduled existential breakdown, would you please continue <laughs> explaining what electors are? Yeah, sorry, I don't know what came over me. Uh, anyways, electors officially vote for the president based on who the people in their state chose. At least that's how it traditionally works. Technically, the elector can vote for whoever they want, but it's like, bro, can you be cool? So, the candidate who gets the most electoral votes wins, and they are the president. That's the winner-take-all system, baby. Does that mean the person who technically gets more votes from the American people doesn't necessarily win the electoral well, vote? Cut the cameras! You aren't supposed to know! Anyways, sorry about that. Uh, so we've been talking about this entire electoral system, but it's shaped by two main political parties, the Democrats and the Republicans, the donkeys and the elephants, the red and blue, the left and right. So what makes them so different? Literally everything. Republicans tend to be more conservative when it comes to fiscal issues. What do you mean by that? So Republicans, Republicans have issues with the government interfering in issues such as how uh, private corporations choose to conduct their businesses, how much of their tax money is invested in welfare, and regulations on private property. 
They kind of, uh, you know, represent America's rugged individualistic side. On the other hand, Democrats are more in favor of government interference. They are not opposed to the government regulating things like the market or private property, such as with the issues of guns or eminent domain. They are also in favor of welfare programs. Republicans tend to live in rural areas such as Texas, Alabama, Georgia, and the list goes on and on. Men, more than women, tend to be Republican, and those with a Protestant faith lean more to the right. On the other hand, people who live in big cities tend to lean further left, as well as minority groups. Women tend more than men to be Democrats. Yo, but what influences people one way or the other? Uh, yo, this process of influencing political beliefs is called political socialization. There's a lot of factors involved, but the most important is the family. We tend to adopt the political beliefs of our parents, although, although there are some choice exceptions. Right, and another huge factor is school. There we learn about the government, different beliefs the American people have, and how these divisions interact with each other. At school, we also interact with people that have different values, allowing each student to see each side of the argument and then make their own conclusions about what they choose to believe. In that way, our friends are also important factors in political socialization. The third huge factor is life experience. This becomes more important as we get older and start doing fun things like, for example, paying taxes. Can I get a woohoo from our taxpayers in the audience? Stop that. All one of, a, of the people in our audience pays his taxes. That's what he wants you to believe. How do you think he affords all of his Funko Pops? Textbook tax evasion scenario. You know what? You know what? We'll, we'll delete that later. Uh, what do you mean? I do all of the editing on this podcast. And that's all the time we have for this episode. Why don't we wrap it up with a nice summary about what you talked about in this episode? Of course. Here are the four main points. Caucuses, 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 the Macarena, Shrek, no, and tax no. evasion. We talked about the electoral system in choosing candidates and presidents. We talked about the differences between primaries and caucuses, and about how both of them are used to choose an official president candidate, and for the Republican Democratic parties. We then talked about how the states vote between those two candidates, and how the results of that election are used to choose electors, who will then decide who will be the president of the United States. And finally, we talked about the differences between Democrats and Republicans and how people adopt certain political ideologies. As a side note, different political parties besides those or besides those do exist, but they never really gain enough traction to win any kind of significant elections. So that wraps up. So going back to the <coughs> Funko that Pops. That wraps up the second episode of the American Analyst, a podcast by the Americans for the Americans talking about the issues affecting America right now. I've been your host, Bonnie Abbott, thebond.com. And I've been your co-host, Adrian DeLongchamps, better known as the IRS. We're on to you, Mr. Chavez. Oh, so it's fine <laughs> for you to break the fourth wall, but I can't do it. Thanks so much for listening. I know the guys that we are chosen from are all a bunch of jerks. What that?